0: Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about those emerging generations and the shifts that we're seeing. You've been watching the shifts associated with the next generation
1: for years, and we're seeing another one of those happening today. Yeah, we are. It's actually very positive. So this will be good news, listeners. But um, I've enjoyed reading uh, Pew Research Center's uh, newsletters that they send out and so forth. And yeah. A couple of years ago, they were noting the fact that each new generation is marked partially by the technology that's introduced yes. during their childhood. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this many times. In fact, I thought it might be fun, Andrew, if you don't mind, to walk down memory lane just yes, a little bit. Yes,
0: technologically speaking.
1: That's right. Yes. So <laughs> when I was growing up, this would have been the 1960s. I know that's... That's in the history books for you. Yeah, I've um, I've only ever heard about such a time. (laughs) Well, I remember when television was relatively new. Yeah. So I was born in 1959, Mm -hmm. and I remember at my fourth birthday party, it was November 22nd, 1963, the president was shot, John F. Kennedy. Wow. On my birthday during my party. Yeah. And so I just remember, I didn't know exactly what was going on. I was just four years old, but I remember everybody gathering around the black and white TV Mm -hmm. that was relatively new in our home. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this person must be important, but come on, let's get back to the party, You know that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. But
1: television was the piece of technology, believe it or not. we've yeah. It's ubiquitous
0: today, but yep. um, that was a big deal. What is fascinating is how much people wrote about the TV, the dreaded TV yes. back then, and how it was entering our homes oh and warping gosh. our minds and all yes. those things, which might partly have been true, but it's very similar to how we talk about technology today. Oh my gosh, it's it? so
1: true. In fact, I remember some very conservative religious groups called it television. Yeah. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke is going to lead us down the tubes, you know, that sort of thing. But then Gen X comes along, yeah. you know, late 60s, 70s, so forth. And um as they grew up, really the computer revolution was happening. Absolutely. So by the 70s, 80s, we started hearing about computers. And then by the late 80s, we were having them in our workplaces or our schools. And it was early, but Gen, Gen, for Gen X, that was the new introduction. Absolutely. And now you're a millennial. Talk about the what was introduced when you were growing
0: up. Yes, yeah, so I'm a millennial born in 88. So I have uh, early memories were in the 90s, right? Yep, yep. And of course, the big technology that came along in the 90s was the internet. I remember yeah, AOL yes. and yep. um, uh, you know logging into the internet with dial-up, and it and made the, the, w- the yes. worst noise yep. known to humankind. Yeah, uh, which I always tell teachers: go find that on YouTube; it's there and play it for your students. It's yes. a little piece of history for yes. them. Yeah. Um, but of course, the other major technology that happened when I was young was the introduction of the cell phone. No as doubt. Well. I remember yep. when my uncle got a car phone early in the '90s. Oh, you know, cutting edge, cutting edge. And then I, I remember vividly the Christmas where my mom and my sister, who was, I think 15 or 16, got their cell phones at the same time. Oh. So that's how new the technology was. Yeah. The teenager and the adult are getting they in. What do do? A- well, uh, my dad actually did this hilarious thing where he um he gave them both their packages <laughs> yeah. unwrapped and said, Hang on one second, goes into the other room and actually calls their phones. From his phone, yeah. So the the package rings, and all of a sudden everybody's freaking out because they know what's inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And That's of course, so that funny. little phone was a small little Nokia yeah. device. You remember yeah, those? I do. Uh, where we had T nine texting. If there's probably okay, a millennial out there yeah. t- okay. <laughs> so in the early phones did not have the full keyboards. I remember yes. when the blackberries came out and everybody was like yeah. a full keyboard. I can't yeah. imagine this or the sidekick where you flipped it on the side. But before that we were using T nine, which is uh, the texting method where the letters are associated with the numbers yeah. on your 10 digit keypad. And so you were, you had to, in order to type the letter a, you push the number one once. To type the letter B, you have to push the number one twice, right? Yes. And so correct. you're you figured out how to do this. Yep. But I had friends who, I mean, they were typing thirty or forty words per minute using T9, which is yeah. just an insane yeah. uh, achievement.
1: But those were the early days of no doubt uh, millennials. Yeah, and those are all fun of that. memories. Yeah. And now Generation Z or Generation Zoom, yeah, is, has uh, arrived, and Ooh, they're that's called true. Zoom because yeah, because they're spending their life on Zoom right now. But um, they, as they were growing up, that the smartphone, not just the cell phone, became yes. ubiquitous. Yep. And now it seems like everybody's got a smartphone, they're on social media, and it has truly been a game changer. The bottom line, the reason I wanted to open with this, uh, listeners, is because clearly there is new technology that marks each new generation. Yeah. But um, I think today with Generation Z, uh, both the technology... And the pandemic they're experiencing as they grow up went from public to... Their anxieties went from public to private.
0: Yeah. The screens
1: are no longer public like a television. So it's now true. on their phone. Yeah. And the anxiety, which was once private, is now public. We're all fretting about this pandemic. That's just true. when we thought it was over, the Omicron variant pops out and then there'll be another one. Yep. In fact, I think we're just going to need to get ourselves psyched up. We're going to have to learn to live with this COVID-19 thing. Just like we had to learn to live with September 11, 2001. Yeah. We thought, oh my gosh, we'll never... Well, no, we made it. Yeah. It's just a little more hassle Things are different, right yeah. Yeah. So listeners, the pandemic and technology has made the anxiety huge yeah. because it's gone from private anxiety and private screens to public. But it's also introduced a shift that I want to talk about today that I think is actually very positive. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. It's a recognition
0: that with change, the first thing we do is sort of react to that change and freak out and think the world's ending. And the second thing that happens is we start to look around and go, oh, that's interesting that that happened. It
1: surprised me a little bit that that that, uh, shift happened. And that's one of the things that we're talking about today. Well, there just might be some silver linings in the dark clouds. (laughs) That's true. So Andrew, just going back, uh, just quick in in history. I started noticing this change in 2017, so four or five years ago, but it was just a trickle at that point. I thought, I see pockets of this in California and Ohio and some places I was in, but now I'm seeing it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's why I thought it was worth talking about today. It seems like Gen Z and the millennials are turning a corner in a very palpable way. At first, you and I, uh, we released a book called Generations the Unfiltered where we talked about how the vast majority of of young people today have developed an external locus of control. Yeah. Okay? Now, listeners, if you don't remember that term, let me just give you the skinny. Uh, Dr. Julian Rotter, back in 1954, created a scale when he was working at Ohio State University. And this scale was really about um, his theories on how people develop. Yeah. And he was moving away from Sigmund Freud and moving into a social-emotional development theory, which we've embraced. But he started measuring college students were they developing an external locus of control, which basically said, things are out of my control, I'm looking to someone else or something else to control my life for me, okay? Or an internal locus of control, which basically assumed responsibility for my life, okay? And all of our moms and dads taught us, you need to be responsible for your own life, right? Okay. Well, just to get to the bottom line here, over the decades since that scale was issued to thousands and thousands and thousands of students over the 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and into the 21st century, we have noticed a gigantic increase in external locus of control. Mm. The vast majority of Generation Z students, they're not bad kids, but um, they would be external locus, meaning if I were to give them a voice, I feel my life is overwhelming. And I'm looking outside to some external person or force to somehow control my life, hmm. you know, control the outcomes of my life. That's a better they're not looking for somebody to control the life, but control the outcomes. And that's that's scary because as we become adults you got to have an internal locus. You got to own your mortgage payment, your car payment, you know, the job you have, the spouse you've married, et cetera. and it's a little scary to enter adulthood with an external locus.
0: Absolutely. Well, since we've been uh, measuring that, and I know the the big research around this uh showed up in the early 2000s where they uh, went down and and tracked down college students today and compared the millennial generation at that time versus the uh, older generations that Julian Rotter had studied himself and found that massive shift. And it feels like we've been trying to diagnose what to do about this or how this might impact us for years. And it seems like the shift uh, is now uh, changing a little bit again. So you want to speak to that? Well.
1: Let me just uh, double click on that real quick before we talk about the shift. I think it was Boston College that released some data that said the kids in 2002 uh, were 80% more external locus of control than were the, the my generation, the yeah. baby boomers, who in, in the 60s, we were starting to take this, this, this test. So that's the bad news. Okay. The good news is I'm seeing a shift. I'm thinking what I'm seeing is young people stepping up and saying, yeah, it is overwhelming, but I'm going to step up and seize control Mm. of some things in my life. And even if we adults don't like what they're doing, it's a good thing that they're stepping up. Would you go
0: so far as to say that you might be seeing a possible shift back towards internal
1: locus of control?
0: Is that what you think you're seeing? I think
1: so. It's too early to tell because we don't have the data. Absolutely, So listeners, please know, I'm sharing this anecdotal from my experience, but I'm starting to see kids step up, and we're going to illustrate this in just a minute. And if indeed that's true, then our job is to guide that stepping up. Yeah. So it isn't just some bizarre... Uh, initiative they take, but it's actually a wonderfully constructive, educational, and redemptive step that they take. I love that. I love that. So um, there are four big steps that I think they're taking that I want to give you real quick, and then we're going to talk about what do we do about these steps. All
0: of these being evidence for
1: the shift that you're talking Correct. about. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So the first one we've all gotten mad at, but um, <laughs> they're quitting traditional jobs. Yeah. Okay? It's true. So already we have seen the great resignation happen in our country, and that's not all young people. Some of it's my generation saying, I'm going to retire now. Generation Z is quitting traditional jobs in droves, like by the millions. Mm. Not all of them had jobs in high school. Many of them have it in college and then beyond, but they were just leaving this traditional job that was Monday through Friday, nine to five, here's my paycheck and my healthcare. And they're quitting them now. The reason why varies, but yep. I think many of them are stepping up and saying, "I'm quitting these traditional jobs to find myself a pandemic-proof job." Mm. So you know that nine to five job. Many have been 2020 saw people get cut. Yeah, you know, and, and thank God yeah. we didn't what have looked to do it. Secure but we ended remember up we were talking to leadership, yeah. well, we gonna have to do this?" Yeah. Well, thank God we didn't. But they saw so many people getting cut. They thought, you know what? I'm going to resign myself. Mm. And so, in a three-month period of time in 2021, 11 and a half million people quit their jobs. Mm. And some of them, I don't know what they did. Yeah. But many of them, I think they they said, I'm just going to seize control of my own life. Yeah and I'm going to look for a pandemic-proof job. Many of
0: those who left did not return to the traditional workforce. Correct. They weren't just leapfrogging to another nine-to-five job. Instead, yeah. they were shifting towards exactly yeah. what like, you're talking well, maybe about. Maybe DoorDash
1: or Uber Eats yeah. or Uber or, Dr- or Lyft. But it's something they go, I control my time. I control my income. If I yeah. need more money, mm-hmm. I'm just going to drive more cars. Yep. But that's that's an illustration of what we're saying. All right, number two. Yeah. The second step up or shift is... They're not looking to traditional institutions for solutions. Yeah, this one's huge. This is really, really big. So the Barna Institute, based in, in, in uh, California, has discovered that Generation Z is expressing a lack of trust in institutions that we typically have said, okay, yep. we'll, we'll trust Historically haven't had an issue, yeah. Educational institutions? Wow. I'm not kidding. Higher yeah. ed, corporate America, mm-hmm. we've seen too much you know, yep. wrong, happen in corporate America. Yep. Government, that that's a no-brainer. But, yeah. you know, politicians are just going, you make promises. I don't think I can even expect you to keep those. So these corporate, you know, corporations, government, education, Gen Z's going, I'm not looking to you. Now, the good news is if I can share a sidebar, they are saying, I will trust someone who's older that yep. I know. Yep, yep, yep. It's personal. It's about personal that's relationships right.
0: yeah. and connections.
1: yeah. So I remember speaking to an audience of students. It was a large audience. It was about 1,000 students. And as I was talking, I looked, and many of them were looking down at their phones. Now, you might say, hello. Of course they are. They're, we're always <laughs> looking at our phones. But you know what I found out later? They weren't scrolling through social media. They were fact-checking me. Yeah. I mean, I'm listening to the speaker. Let I me mean, just see if that's really were true in 1967 yeah. or whatever, you know? So I thought, well, good for them. You know, that's great. You can fact check all you want. But my point is they're not just blindly trusting yep. and looking to traditional places that we used to trust for answers. Mm, Interesting. It's so good. Yeah. So good. The third step away that I think they're seizing control of is they are now saying they want to be paid now for today's work. <laughs> Now yeah. this one's on the forefront. Yeah. In fact, I don't think this is going to happen for a while, but I do think it's going to happen. Okay. In the same way that um, you know you drive for Uber, and at the end of your shift, that money's been deposited or whatever. They're saying, and not all of them, but this is a this is a some data that is clearly real. They're saying right now I'm actually living hand to mouth. <laughs> my, my my finances are tight. Mr. Employer, could you just pay me at the end of the day for the shift that I just did at Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or Growing Leaders or whatever? Yeah. So we're going to have to, I mean, ours is two times a month. We're very, very traditional in that sense. Yeah. But they're saying, could I have, could I have it more often?
0: Yeah. This is a huge shift in the way that Uh, young people, especially those in their 20s and 30s in their career, are thinking about work and thinking about pay, especially the pandemic sort of fueled this one. I think it was already headed in this direction, but we became more conscientious of our uh, work-life balance, which I know is a term that's been used and overused during the pandemic. But the reality is it shifted the way that we thought about work. And I think that's most, especially for young people who are very early in their career going, you know, I've only been in this five or 10 years.
1: Why does it have to be this
0: way? You know, yeah. And a lot of them are asking that question. Yeah.
1: So the data on this one, real quick, Andrew, is the Harris Poll. Um, according to a U.S. Uh, workers poll from Harris, 83% believe they should have access to their earned wages at the end of the day. Mm. So that's- That's a huge number. You know, 83 out of 100, yeah. Yeah. The fourth place that I think Gen Z and millennials are stepping up and taking control or seizing control is- Quite frankly, they're protesting more passionately. It's true. We saw this in 2020 uh, with the Black Lives Matter and other protests that happened worldwide. Yep. They were finally saying, I want change and I'm not going to wait for a vote to happen in Congress or whatever. We're going to start being heard and seen. So, I, th- I think quite frankly, um, and I say this as a baby boomer, I think they're baffled at how baby boomers and Gen Xers could put up with some of the injustices that have gone on for decades and decades and decades. Mm-hmm. So think about this. Watching the videos from the 1990s, yeah. they feel like like Rodney King was a relatively innocent man that was treated as guilty yep. on that video. Yep. And then O.J. Simpson seemed like a pretty guilty guy that was treated as innocent. And they're yeah. going, how could you guys do all this seems off, yeah. It really does seem off. And yeah. even to me, looking back, at go, I go, how do we do that? Yeah. So all this to say, listeners, I said it before and I'll say it again, you may not like all of these steps they're taking, but they illustrate a shift to I'm going to step up and take control of my life. And I actually think we as caring adults need to say, that's a good thing.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if you look back at, I'm pointing to, you point at your generation, Tim, a lot. I'm going to point at mine. I think I grew up in a generation of millennials. We had that YOLO mindset and that sort of belief of just like, I'm just going to follow the instructions the adults gave me. You know, That was very much the posture of our, uh, our generation. And so I think a lot of us got into our 20s and 30s and wondered, did we compromise on some of the things that are in our hearts about what we wanted to accomplish. And I see several folks my age asking some of those questions. I am very proud of this young generation that said, we are not going to wait until we get the job, wait until we get that certain age. We're going to sort of start taking control of some of these things right now. And I think, again, whether or not we
1: agree with what they're deciding, we need to acknowledge that I think this might be a positive step. Yeah, That's right. And and we clearly see what they have in common, these steps, that is. So as we kind of wind down here, uh, I want to just offer listeners some thoughts, some steps we can take to lead them well, if indeed they are stepping up and seizing control of their own life, like it or not. Absolutely. So um, I've got three steps in mind. The first one I've said before, but maybe not in this context. As leaders, we need to stop thinking control and start thinking connect. Mm -hmm. Don't think control, think connect. So whenever things seem out of line, uh, we, we as teachers, leaders, employers, parents want to step in and just say, let me just take control of this. I think control is a myth, mm. especially by the time they reach teenage years and young adult years. We, have, we don't have control. So now, true. we can influence and we can lead, but we're not in control. It's In fact, I don't think I've ever been able to control a child's attitude. <laughs> yeah, I can try, but I can't. Yep. So connection is what we can seek. That is That is in our control. If I can connect at the heart level with a young person, maybe an arm around the shoulder and we begin to talk and we actually connect, now we can guide them as they make some choices. We can influence, but we're not controlling. Number two... I think we need to stop thinking prescriptive and start thinking descriptive. Love it. Now this is something we've said for years and years and years but listeners what I mean by this is prescriptive leadership is typically what we've offered. We are prescribing every step, every actionable item. Don't forget your backpack, don't forget the quiz on Friday, study, you know, study for the test on Thursday. And um, they're really not thinking much for themselves oftentimes. But when we think descriptive, we're now saying, I'm not going to prescribe the steps. Let's describe together a goal you want to reach academically or athletically. And then now that the goal is set, we can say, all right, what do you think you're going to need to do to reach that goal? Mm. I'll be your guide, but not your God. And I'm not going to tell you all the steps today. You got to figure it out. Now that's going to be new for many of them because they've never had to figure it out. Yeah. But I'm telling you, if they're stepping up, let's let them step up. Yeah. Number three, don't think manage, think mentor. Mm. Don't think manage, think mentor. Teachers listening, we even use the term classroom. Management, yeah, you know, and it's like we're trying to manage the chaos. Yeah, (laughs) that might work when they're in kindergarten. That's right. It's a total. It needs a totally different thing. My gosh, I don't know one young person that's going. I would just like to be managed. Would you manage me? (laughs) I do know some that would say, "Could I get a mentor here?" Yeah. So if we could see ourselves with a different hat on. I'm going to be your mentor. I'm going to uh, invest in you, make deposits, offer you resources. Now we're going somewhere. Mm. So I'd like to close with, yeah. a, with a quick illustration, and then okay. we can. I'll let you wrap it up. Um, I heard interviewed recently a stunning young lady that illustrates this as well as anybody I know on planet Earth. I mean okay. that. I know that's a that's a big statement, but uh, her her name is Shama Azru. She's the first Rhodes scholar out of the United Arab Emirates. So she goes to U. she lives in UAE and she uh, went to NYU at Abu Dhabi. Okay? So, so it's she's like overseas Abu Dhabi campus of That's NYU. Right. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So um, she graduates uh, as a Rhodes scholar. So she's she's sharp, very sharp. At 22 years old, recently graduated, she's given a government position. Okay. For the federal government there. She uh, was elected as the Minister of State for Youth in her country. Sounds like a big job. She still is a youth. She's just 22 years old. She's not even 25 years old where her brain has stopped developing. She's 22 years old, but she takes over, and she is large and in charge. I've heard her interviewed. She's very humble. She's very sensible. She's not cocky, like, look what I'm doing now. But she is saying, here's what she said. When she's asked the question, why aren't more... Of you young adults in in office, the interviewer I think expect well we're not really ready. Mm -hmm. She said, "Oh no 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 we're ready." She said, "I think too many people uh, around the world see youth as a problem to solve rather than an asset to leverage." Ooh, that's big. I think you should say that again. Okay, too many people see young people as a problem to solve. They're just problems, you yeah. know, rather than an asset to leverage. And her country said, You're an asset. You can help us connect with your peers, these teens and 20 somethings, and leverage the creativity, the energy. And so they are. So I want to quote her. She said directly, We believe a nation's ability to harness the youth directly impacts its security and its future. So true. Yeah. We don't just involve youth. We let them lead. Mm. It's baffling how much youth have been sidelined. Too many of us see them as a problem rather than a solution. Division has narrowed in our government, and youth are now actually a part of the conversation. Mm. So what I love, and I'll wrap up with this, is um, she has identified with her government, her, her fellow elected officials, six categories that listeners, I'd like to give you now as you think about how could I empo- empower the young people around me. Category number one: voice. Mm. They make sure the young people feel like they've got a voice; they are heard. Mm. That's Number huge. two: recognition. They are recognized for the steps they have taken and the uh, and the and the initiative they have assumed. Three: purpose. Mm. It's not just making widgets or doing some perfunctory little task. They're actually giving them a great sense of purpose. They're doing something that matters. Love it. Four, guidance. They're offering the guidance, knowing that, they are young and they that don't, don't have- mentorship thing, right? 20 years of experience. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We need mentors. Five, development. Yeah. So they're making sure that they're investing in and developing the minds and hearts of these young leaders. And then lastly, number six, opportunity. Hmm. Nothing more frustrating than to be given a leadership badge and say, well, you're not going to do anything but sit around and do social media here. Wait
0: for 30 years, and then we might give you a position. So
1: opportunity. I love this, and my favorite phrase that Shami uses is, what we nourish will flourish. Mm. And I actually believe that. And I think that's what we're seeing now with Generation Z and millennials. I love it.
0: Thanks so much, Tim, for walking us through that. What an incredible leader that's over there in
1: the UAE. I wish uh, we could
0: meet her and interview her. But, um, well... Tim mentioned it during the podcast. If you're listening to this and going, I love this, I want more, I want to dig deeper. We actually put out a resource just a couple of years ago called Generation Z Unfiltered that talks about a lot of the things that we've been discussing here. And in fact, it gets super practical about how to uh, leverage your leadership to better prepare the young people around you to become great leaders themselves. So if you want to find out more information, you can go to generationzunfiltered.com, pick up a copy of the book there, or you can head on over to Amazon and get it there. But that is a really great resource that uh, thousands of people have told us. This is so helpful for us, and I think it might be helpful for you as well. So go check that out, GenerationZUnfiltered.com. Uh, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, That gets the word out about what we're doing here, and we really appreciate it. You can also quite literally get the word out by sharing this podcast with a friend who you think might find it helpful. We encourage you to do that. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are on social media. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, people you think we should interview, uh, subjects you think we should cover, a piece of data you saw that you found interesting and you think we'd enjoy, shoot it to us in an email. It's podcast at We love getting those from you. Tim, thank you so much for leading us today. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.